0: Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 152. I am your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And this episode today is perfect for any of you who find yourselves gearing up for a late summer or even fall job search. The fall is actually a really great time for job seekers because after everyone comes back from a lazy, hazy August or summer vacation and Everyone's kids are back to school. There is a bit of a crunch for end of year hiring to begin, right? Because if you have positions to fill before the end of the new year, you got to start interviewing for them early on in the fall. So if you are on the job hunt, today's episode is going to be absolutely critical for you. My expert guest and I today are covering how to write resumes and cover letters to get you past those artificial intelligence screeners and actually land interviews in today's Modern Job Search. So, stick around if you or someone you love is having trouble getting past the application stage and into the interview process, because today's episode is going to be key for you. But before I dive in today, I want to make sure you know our final two Bossed Up Boot Camps of the Year are coming up soon. This September 28 and 29, I'm headed back to the city that started it all, Bossed Up's birthplace, Washington, D.C., for what is going to be one of our best boot camps of the year. And I just saw this note posted in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which if you haven't joined already, make sure you click the link in today's show notes and get yourself there because it is a... Magical place. It's been called the best place on Facebook. And I saw this post from one of our recent Boston Bootcamp alums, Paulette, and had to just share a little of what she had to say. She said in her post in the Courage community, quote, I'm happy to share that I took my time to find a position that worked for me and what I really want in my career with new learning opportunities within the field of education and an organization that still allows me to work remotely part-time. The role fits perfectly with me, and drum roll, I was able to negotiate a twenty-seven thousand dollar raise. Bossed up boot camp was the first time in my thirty years of life where I prioritized myself, and I have learned that things will fall into place—marriage, children, friends, and family—when you care for yourself with the same passion. As you care for others. In less than two years since boot camp, I've had two promotions and now this new role. I finished a Latinx leadership fellowship. I've built my brand as a nonprofit leader, have been an invited guest and keynote speaker for national conferences, have launched a consulting side hustle, and even just launched my own leadership and management podcast. Which you guys should check out, by the way. It's called Bosses and Mimosas. I'll link to it in today's show notes. She goes on to share that in February 2018, she took a bus from Boston to New York City after getting a scholarship from Bostup to attend the boot camp. And it was the best decision I have ever made for myself. I want to thank you, Paulette, for sharing your story in the Courage community and encourage every job seeker and anyone who's even feeling like they want to accelerate their success in their career and life to check out Bossed Up Bootcamp. Like I said, we're coming to DC in September. We'll then be heading to Los Angeles in mid-November, November 17 and 18. And that is it for the 2019 year, but I'm excited to share for the first time today That our next city, in fact, the first city that will be debuting Boston Bootcamp in 2020 is San Francisco. This will be our first SF bootcamp ever. And we're headed to San Francisco the first weekend of February in 2020. So if you want to join me in DC this September, LA in November, or San Francisco in the first weekend of February, find all the details, including flexible payment options, and scholarships we have available to get your butt to Bossed Bootcamp. It really is a life changer. And now, without further ado, I want to dive into today's podcast topic by first listening to the listener-submitted career conundrum that started it all. Take a listen.
1: Hi, Emily. This is Sophia Durrani. I am a Bossed Bootcamp alum from April 2016 in Washington, D.C., I have a career career conundrum. My question for you today is I'm preparing cover letters for my next assignment and have gotten different responses when it comes to editing my cover letter and formatting the contact information. So some people have said that I should just list the city and state that I'm in. Uh, Other people have said that I should leave off my mailing address completely in the cover letter and just leave it for my resume. And I've also been suggested to list my contact information, uh, meaning my residential address, like you would learn back in school. So including my full mailing address, my email and my telephone number, uh, which leaves less room for the content of the cover letter, but is technically the proper format for a business letter. So, I just wanted to ask you what's the best way to format your contact information in a cover letter, knowing that today, commonly cover letters and resumes are emailed uh, when you're applying to jobs, if it's not through some sort of uh, online job platform submission. Thanks.
0: Sophia, thank you so much for calling in with this career conundrum. It is a highly requested and relatable topic because so many of us struggle to figure out how the hell to write cover letters or whether to include cover letters in the modern job search, not to mention how exactly to format and structure a resume to get past those A.I screeners that so often prevent your resume from even being seen by a human. Joining me on the podcast today to break all of this down is blogger Becky Bush. After getting four job offers within two months of being laid off, Becky decided to help other women get hired. Her website, the typical 20-something, offers resume, cover letter, and interview advice that will get you the job you want. You can join over 40,000 people who visit her site every month at thetypical20something.com. But here today to share her brilliance, wisdom, and personal experience with all of us right now is the one and only Becky Bush. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Becky, what are some of your... Or why don't we start by sharing a little bit about how you found yourself writing this excellent blog that you run with a fabulous Instagram feed, I might add, (laughs) that I'm a fan of, (laughs) all about how to navigate those early career hiccups and the process of finding a job. Like, What made you make this such an area of passion and expertise for yourself?
2: So when I was six months out of college... I moved to San Francisco for a job right out of college. When I was six months out of college, I walked into my office one Wednesday morning and found myself laid off. It had nothing to do with me, but I was living in one of the most expensive cities in the country and had no job six months out of school, which obviously, as you can imagine, was a terrifying experience with a lot of pressure. And so without much job experience, I really had to learn for myself how to network and get a job really, really quickly (laughs) and ended up getting four job offers within two months of being laid off with essentially no work experience. And there's so many tips and tricks that I learned along this journey after being laid off that I want to share with others that will help set you apart with the crowd. And I'm, I'm really passionate. I helped so many of my friends with their cover letters and resumes that I decided to make it something real and tangible. And now I enjoy helping others from around the country and around the globe do the same. I love it, Becky. Well, that is quite a
0: feat to land four job offers within two months of being laid off in any industry, in any domain. And it's just a reminder that the art of getting a job offer is a craft in and of itself, right? There's a skill set involved there that is separate and apart from being good at your job. (laughs) Being good at getting a job is different (laughs) than being good at your job, but equally important when you're navigating transition. So first thoughts, cover letters, are they even relevant anymore?
2: So my opinion on cover letters varies depending on your industry, really. As you said, when you initially heard Sophia's question, I think if you are in a job that fits perfectly well with your past experience and you don't have anything additional to explain, you might not need a cover letter to get the job. Maybe you can email someone from the company and explain why you want to work for that company in hopes of getting a referral directly instead. However, if you're in a more formal industry like academia or something of that sort, I might consider doing more of a cover letter. I would think about cover letters this way. If you have something additional to explain that's not Obvious in your resume that will help you get the job, include it in your cover letter. That's your opportunity, but make it different from your resume.
0: Point. I think the cover letter is an opportunity to exercise the power of narrative, right? Of storytelling, of making your case, especially if there's a question mark on your resume and it needs a little explaining. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I think in today's day and age, Talking about the mechanics of cover letters can be a little weird because it feels like we're talking about a dying norm. It's a norm that is actively shifting. Right. So, any career coach who gets on a podcast and says, "Here is the definitive right and only way to write a cover letter," <laughs> is sorely mistaken. So, I appreciate the nuance you're bringing to this conversation because I was reticent to even broach topics like this. I don't have a ton of content on the Boss Up blog about this because how can you say this is the right way to go about doing things when things are actively changing? What is your take, Becky, on whether to attach a letter in a PDF form, like you might attach a resume via email, or to treat your email and the body of your email like a cover letter
2: itself? So I think you hit the nail on the head. If a job is requiring a cover letter, or if you're in a job that requires some, like a lot of writing in it, absolutely include the cover letter in your job application. I think... In this day and age, as you said, people are reading emails on your phone and everything else so quickly that you could have your cover letter be in the body of an email that you send after. Yeah. And honestly, what I think would be much more impactful if you are applying for a job and it doesn't require a cover letter is to cold email people from the company mm-hmm. in that cover letter format and tell them how much you want to work there, sell them on why you're great, attach your resume and hope that they refer you directly. Yes, amen. I
0: am all about the practice of getting that internal referral, which you've mentioned already, which is so key because standing out on an endless yes. digital pile of resumes that are uploaded literally constantly for any open job position is done one human at a time, right? So tell us about your take on that. Let's let's say we're doing all the right things. We're formatting things all the right ways. What do you think is like the biggest key for landing an internal referral, which will actually help you get the interview?
2: And this is actually the way that I got so many job offers when I was laid off, is that every time I apply for a job, I email at least five people from the company, ideally in recruiting and directly from the team I'm applying to, and tell them why I should be hired for this role. I've heard other people do this and have great success. So in terms of getting an internal referral, I would say, one, you must email more than one person. So don't solely email the one person you think might be on the team because... It's difficult to find the perfect person, but email somewhere between five and 10 and hopefully your resume and a little bit about you will get forwarded to the Uh correct person who needs it. The second, make the email short, but make it sweet. Think of it that someone's always reading it on their phone. And so you don't need them to be able to scroll down to read the entire email, but say why you'd be a great fit and why you want to work at the company and go from there.
0: I love it. The only thing I do slightly differently is add an ask at the end about hopping on the phone or grabbing right. yeah. a cup of coffee. But I think you're absolutely right on. I, I'm always troubled by a recurring concern I see in our Facebook group, the Bossed Up Courage community, which, if you're listening to this and you have yet to join the Bossed Up Courage community, you are seriously missing out. So head to bossed to sign up for our emails there and you'll get the invite to join our secret group of badass women lifting as we climb online. But what I see crop up there on a very regular basis is this underlying anxiety of being too much. People will say, I just had this great interview. Everything seemed great. It's been a month. I don't want to keep pestering them. I don't want to come off as too much. Or I just applied for my dream job and I have all these contacts there should i email them all or would that be too much and i find that anxiety so symptomatic of a world that tells women going for what you want is unattractive right being assertive about what you need about what you want about what you deserve it makes you less likable and it's like i want to just undo all of that social conditioning and say hell yeah email all the people ask for what you want don't be afraid of coming across as too much right what do you, what do you think about that
2: I could not agree more and totally agree that there's an underlying societal pressure for some reason that has trained us to feel nervous about doing just that. But the results, if you do it and you will find, will be exactly the opposite. Think of it as if you're showing yourself to a future employer No employer wants you to sit around passively and not do your work. They always want you to go after what you want. So if you can show that you're the kind of person that will do that, will be fantastic, will get the job done before they even have you come in for an interview, you're in for a slam dunk. I think you will be (laughs) surprised at how many people who don't know you are open to talking to you because you show them your value right off the bat.
0: Totally. I could not agree more. I actually am laughing thinking of the first interview I landed for my dream leadership position right out of college that I landed. It was, I think, four or five months after graduation day. I'd actually parlayed an internship position that was not going very well into a state director position as the youngest state director in the nation serving on behalf of newly elected President Barack Obama's grassroots army. And I got on the phone for this interview and the first thing she said, this woman who would later become my boss, was, okay, Emily, you can call off the campaign. (laughs) Because I had reached out to everyone who had ever worked with me in any internship who was even remotely, peripherally connected to this person and asked them, hey, can you put in a good word for me? Here's her email address. So if we're worried about being extra. Like I have been that extra girl my whole life and not to be too full of myself, but I feel like it's panned out pretty well. So that's an interesting take, Becky. Yeah. Other thoughts on cover letters. Like what do you think is the best use of the words, right? The phrasing, the geography, especially underlying our question here today. What about when you're applying from halfway across the globe? I'm curious what your take is on on how to give up or what what to give up when it comes to your geographic proximity to the job you're applying for.
2: Yes. So I have a strong opinion on this. And when I heard Sophia's question, that was one of the things I called out is that she said she's applying for a new assignment. And I have no idea if it's in the location that she's currently located in or in a new location. But I think it's really important that you are not putting yourself in a position where you're already not in a good spot to be interviewed. So if you live halfway across the world and you're applying to a job another in another place in which you live, you absolutely want to say you can be in that new location quickly. Sometimes jobs are in a rush to hire and you want to let them know that you are willing to move. And so I think that is a perfect use case for the cover letter is signaling that you're willing to move to the job in which the city is located. And there are all these technologies even that will scan resumes and cover letters and see if those locations are mentioned. And if you don't live in that current location, it could put you behind or at the bottom of the stack. And so I think that's really, really important to explain.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. When Isabel, my little sister, who was actually living with me all summer here in Denver, Colorado, as she did an internship with our local senator's office. And she landed this great internship even before he announced that he was running for president. And so it's been an exciting summer for her. But one of the key choices that she made after counseling with me on this was in her application, I said, just put my address. Yep, I've done that before. Yeah, right? You don't live here now, but if you do get this job, you sure will be living here later, so... You know, don't be dishonest if they ask you about it in the interview, but who cares? Like, don't put your Connecticut address, like put your put my address and it it just removes that barrier, like you're saying. And it, it worked.
2: Right. I think that's so important. Exactly what you said. And you just don't want someone to say, oh, why did they apply for this job by mistake? They don't even live here. Like you want to eliminate all those questions up front so they know that you're ready to get there. And let's say you live really far away and it will take you a little bit longer. When you cold email someone after you apply for the job, explain it there. I'm willing to move back ASAP or whatever it might be.
0: One thing I didn't mention when I landed my state director position was that I think at the time I was still on this internship in DC and had never owned a car in my life. And in order to be a state director in Rhode Island, I would not only have to move, but I would definitely need a car to get all over the state and be a grassroots organizer. So I was like, let's cross those bridges if and when they arrive, you know, we arrive at them because it was not my interest to bring up these potential obstacles into hiring me. It was sort of like one problem at a time. And I see job seekers stumble on this. They're like, well, it might not be my dream job unless they can meet me halfway when it comes to X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, whoa, you're not negotiating yet. Get the job offer, right? Get the job offer and then negotiate.
2: You have so much more leverage once they already want you to move and get more time, maybe add another week to your start date whatever it might be. Once you've already sold them on how amazing you are and why you're perfect for the job, but if they just have your resume in hand and know nothing else about you and there's a stack of resumes from people in the city that they're already in, why wouldn't they why would they keep yours if that makes sense? So you want to make it as easy and as great as possible for them and by clearing up your location up front, you'll totally totally do that.
0: That's a great point. Lately, I've been offering sort of free one-on-one video chat sessions with all of the women who come through Bossed Up Bootcamp. So for the past two bootcamps, we just added this feature to the program. And in the follow-up, a lot of women are like, well, here's what my resume looks like. I'm like, let's bring it out. Let's check it out. Let's, let's jam on it together. And what I'm realizing is a lot of the edits I tend to suggest for strengthening other people's resumes and cover letters is about what to leave Mm. out just like what you're saying it's it's about yes this is great but this thing here that's not so great the fact that you have a nursing degree but you're trying to become a manager in a not in a tech company like why is the nursing degree still there no offense but remove the obstacles even though you worked so hard for them (laughs) like their achievements for one audience but if those achievements don't persuade your target audience, get rid of them, right? It's about eliminating.
2: Yeah, and that's why you have to remember that a resume is simply a sheet of paper and it is not the end-all be-all. And getting something like a nursing degree comes with so many challenges and so many things that you should be proud of. And you can totally speak to and spin in an interview that it will be extremely relevant. But you have to remember in this single sheet of paper, when someone is scrolling through it quickly, maybe there's even another technology that is doing the scrolling and then passing it to a recruiter. You really, really want to make it simple and easy. And I totally agree with you that making sure that it's As straightforward and easy as possible so that it screams off the page, this person is perfect for this job, is the best way to get seen out of a competitive job market.
0: Let's talk more about the scanner component to all of this because more and more as we upload our cover letters and resumes online, They're being first proofread by robotic counterparts before they even get sorted into the human pile. (laughs) So what do you know about that process? What are some things that job seekers should keep in mind when it comes to making sure their resumes and cover letters are robot friendly?
2: So what I'll say first is the strategy that you mentioned getting that internal referral is 10X more important as a scanner becomes more popular for companies. Think about it from the company's perspective sifting through a pile of resumes and getting a human to look at every detail creates an unnecessary challenge when you can weed out the best ones off the top of the bat. It could add some, you know, technicalities as well that aren't as positive, but that's the rationale for them doing that. So there are two things. One, getting that internal referral, I would say, is so much more important. So just make sure you're going above and beyond to do that. You're never a pest. Secondly, Something really easy you can do is this, look at either the LinkedIn of the people who are currently in that job, in that company, in the job description, and make sure that you are adding relevant keywords from the job description back into your resume, as long as they're relevant to your experience. Yes.
0: Amen. Especially when it comes to right. skills, Right because they're saying, here's what we are looking for. We are looking for someone who has writing skills, analytical skills, presentation skills, and your resume should start under each position you have held in the past with bullet points, or at least verbs that describe how you have written, how you have presented, how you have analyzed, right? You can literally pull them right off the job description and they better be in your resume. That's a really great point.
2: Yes. Again, make it easy for them to push you along and hire you, and I think that's one. Of, I think that's one of the best things that you can do is look at those keywords in the skills, like in the types of software they might want you to know. Let's say you have. Microsoft Word, but they put Microsoft Office in their description, You obvi- Word is encompassing of Office. And if you know PowerPoint and everything else as well, you can simply change that verbiage to make it a better fit for what they already said they're looking for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a weird thing to consider that we have to, <laughs> we have to write not only for a human audience, but basically for AI as that becomes more common.
2: Yes, yes, I know. And especially if you're applying to a larger company, know that this is a high possibility that this will happen. But if someone that you email directly genuinely likes what you have to say and likes your resume, you're bypassing that AI and getting to that human element. So it's just one more reason to do it. I love
0: that. Yeah, let's talk more about that. Because honestly, there's a reason I haven't done too many episodes on the magical secrets of resume writing and cover letter hacks. because at the end of the day, it comes down to people hacks. It comes down to how you can weasel your way into a relationship with someone who can actually say, hey, hiring manager, here's the name and contact info of a person who is one of the thousands of resumes in that pile. Make sure you actually read this one because she would be perfect for this job. Yep. So how do you, other than emailing a whole bunch of people, let's say you get a positive response from a stranger What do you do then to nurture that relationship into a
2: genuine referral? So I think as you said, have a call to action in your initial email. Usually end the email with, do you or one of your colleagues have time to chat about this position? And if that's not the right person, they'll say, I don't, but talk to this colleague. And then if they I mean if they don't respond, always feel free to follow up. It sounds like a lot of women that you talk to are nervous about being a pest. So I want to reiterate that as much as possible. That being said, When you get on the phone, don't don't come on the phone or when you have the opportunity to talk to them with solely a sales pitch. Ask the questions so that you can understand really what they're looking for in a great candidate and then sell yourself on maybe why you should move forward with the process and with the job. I think asking questions, getting as much information from them as possible about what they're looking for, company culture, to make sure that it is a two-way street and that you are a great fit for them as much as they're a great fit for you will be really essential. And they will also appreciate your genuine willingness and want to learn about their company in that more casual relationship. And I find that often if you start the conversation with questions, say, I've applied for this job, what do you think I should do next? It's something I'm really interested. It's my first choice in a job. They might offer up the referral themselves.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because people, A genuinely like helping other people as long as it doesn't feel icky and transactional in a way that feels abusive right people generally and genuinely want to help when they hear you out and they say i remember what it was like to be in your shoes i remember the last time i navigated a job search like this isn't easy but also people love to talk about themselves (laughs) so your advice on asking really smart questions and Asking outright for their suggestions, advice, and wisdom is a form of flattery that's also very authentic in a form of informational interviewing, right? Like it'll help you learn more about whether this company is as great a place as you think it is too.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I
0: am like geeking out about your blog. First of all, you produce so much content. You produce so many great resources. I love that you introduce yourself as someone who loves resumes <laughs> and then has a ton of free resources for folks who want to perfect and polish up their resume and their job search materials. Tell us a little bit about what you offer on the typical 20 something blog and what our listeners should know you have to offer them if they're navigating this very kind of a job search.
2: I think navigating your career early on is something that they don't teach you in school that they should. And so you come out of college and you're expected to get a job and you literally have no idea what you're supposed to be doing. I was fortunate to have a couple family members who are career coaches who taught me quite a bit early on, but not everyone else has that. And so I really think of the things that I hear from my friends or even in my own professional career from interviewing other people that I see as missteps. I have people email me their resumes all the time for their opinion or for my opinion and advice and try and call out those certain things. So For example, the idea of getting that internal referral was something that I saw that no one else was doing that when I suggested it to a friend, they would get the job. And so that's something I really focus on or something like quantifying your resume, where if you look at most people, a lot of people's resumes, they're simply summarizing the job they did instead of talking about what they accomplished during the job. And so I try and write about those things to make it as specific as possible and to make it really easy for someone to go to my site and then to ideally get the job as a result of reading the content on my site. I
0: love it. And I will absolutely link to some of the downloadable resources that you have that specifically help with resume prep and cover letter concepts. So I, I think that's a really important piece of the puzzle. Any other advice that you have for our listeners today on what to consider when it comes to how you're presenting yourself in your job search on paper?
2: I would just say... You obviously know how great you are as a person and you know why someone should hire you. I think the biggest thing that I see that is potentially missing from people's job application experience is that they are not messaging that clearly enough to others. And so think about how you would talk to your best friend and build them up and all of their great qualities. Make sure that you're doing the same thing to yourself and sharing that. So forthcomingly, you are never In a bad shape for saying how great you are. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. And so I think if every single woman in the world could start doing that one thing, we would all be in much better shape. Oh,
0: yes. I love that so much because we have to acknowledge it's still a relatively modern and radical act to be unapologetic and unabashed when talking about yourself and talking about your achievements and talking about how great you are. It's not an easy thing to do for any of us, but know that when we express self-love, when we communicate confidence, we're not just doing so on our own behalf. We're actually changing Mm -hmm. the norms. We're changing society's expectations of women who do that. One conversation at a time. Yes, exactly. So Becky Bush, I've got the hardest question for you of all. What do you do (laughs) better than anyone else you know that you think our ladies should know?
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, on the job front or on the regular front? <laughs> oh, one of each. Now now it's a two part question. Oh, my God. OK, fun. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I do think on the job front, um, getting a job and with resumes, I think I have a very unique knack for understanding what should and should not be in a resume. And understanding the way that you can quantify your experience so that someone looks at your resume quickly and says, Hey, she's the greatest person in the world. I must hire her. I I think I've helped many women do that. Secondly, I, from a personal front, I mean, I like to think that I'm a caring and sympathetic person and love helping others. And I could not be more passionate about this.
0: I love it. Well, check out Becky Bush and her fantastic blog at typical 20 somethingcom I'll drop all kinds of relevant links in today's show notes. Becky, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today.
2: Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And
0: now it's time for today's Boss Move Moment of the Week.
2: Hi, Emily.
3: I'm calling from Columbus, Ohio. I called back in October because I got fired and you featured me on your podcast. And I just wanted to call in with my boss move. So I got a new job and I interviewed, I think a week after I got fired and I got an offer like three days later and I've been working there for seven months now and it's awesome. My boss tells me how much he appreciates me every day. I really like my coworkers. The work culture is just not toxic and the place that I came from was pretty toxic, so I don't know. Sometimes bad things happen so that good things can happen. And I guess my boss move is dealing with something bad that happened and persevering. Thanks so much for your help. I uh, really love your podcast. I'm a big fan and I appreciate you. Thanks. Bye.
0: Yes, boss, I am cheering you on and thank you so much for calling in with your boss move. I think it is so important for us to end these podcasts with a community brag, with an opportunity to hear an actual woman actually talking positively about herself unapologetically It's still a radical act in this world that teaches us that modesty is prized above all else. In fact, last week I shared my insights on how to brag. And how to boast as a woman, which is not an easy thing to do, with journalist Jessica Wakeman for The Riveter. Turns out The Riveter, which is a women's co-working space, has a really robust online blog with tons of resources. So I'll link to the piece Jessica wrote last week all about how to brag on your bad self because I think it's still far too rare to hear women actually saying nice things about themselves without being apologetic and, and, and sort of flustered about it. So I want to thank you for calling in your boss move today and challenge you listener who's listening to this right now to think about one thing that you are proud of having tackled this summer. Maybe it's work related, maybe it's life related, but whatever it is, I want to hear from you. So call in your summer 2019 boss move to the Boss Up podcast hotline now, and you just might hear your voice on an upcoming episode. And also it'll be a kind of a cool way to let me know what's going on with you this summer. And I'd love to Share what our community's up to. Give the hotline a ring right now and leave your message at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And for my international listeners, just record a voice memo, or really this is for anyone who doesn't wanna call for whatever reason, Record a voice memo and send it to me via email at info at bossedup.org. In the meantime, if you want to get all the deets and links to everything we talked about in today's episode, head over to bossedup.org slash episode 152 and do me and your friends a quick favor and share this episode with any of the job seekers and career changers in your world who you know could use it. Until next time, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.